prior to the exosomes, I would explain that my body was getting maybe maybe 5 to 10% of the signals being sent. After doing the exosomes, I've gotten a flood of signal throughout my entire body. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast, Doctor's Edition. One of the fastest growing regenerative medicine and anti-aging podcasts in the world. Each and every Tuesday and Thursday, I talk to the top experts to show doctors how to market, manage, and magnify their practice to help more people and make more money. Each episode is short and to the point without wasting your time with pointless conversation. Learn the skills to be successful without traveling to seminars or paying for expensive consulting fees. Are you ready? Because I am. I'm Dr. Ross Carter, and it's time to start the Regenerative Warrior Podcast now. Two things before we get started. The views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those of Dr. Carter or this podcast. One of our podcast partners has just announced special pricing for our listeners. Wharton's Jelly Allograph for $475 per cc. You heard that right, only $475. White papers are available. This is for a limited time, so act now. Why pay double or triple the price from other providers? To learn more or to order, text your name and the word JELLY, J-E-L-L-Y, to 561-962-1231. Write that down. It's 561-962-1231. On with the show. My name is Paul Bush. As I introduced up earlier, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none in the sense that I have tried to experience as much of the globe in any way possible. And I utilize different careers as that pathway, jumping around from being a mechanic to a commercial diver to working in vineyards out in Colorado, living in the mountains, and then somehow ended up in the outback, walking up and down pipelines. So I am a C4 incomplete injury and I was in a motor vehicle accident. And after the vehicle rollover, the hood collapsed and fractured my neck. And that's left me with a lot of limitations in regards to my overall ambulatory ability. So my hands are minimally functioning. My legs and everything function in a way where I can activate them and I can stand, I can you know straighten my hips out, but functional movement as far as walking and you know swimming, all those kinds of things are a work in progress in a sense. You are not a doctor. No. Right. And you're not even involved in the medical profession, right? Nope. What's going on with you that has changed your life? After having a lot of experiences in my life that put me in a low point where I realized that I need to work myself out of this hole, you start to know that there's never a point where you can't make progress. And after having my accident, I saw more and more that people just genuinely felt like there was no way to move forward and there was no hope of getting better. And I looked at it as a, a science experiment. You know, there's things that are happening in my body and I wanted to find out why they were happening, not just focus on the emotional attachment of what you lost. Right. You did know, you so, feel a sense of depression at one point in the life or did you know I have a, a part of my brain that doesn't function. I think it's the prefrontal cortex. So I've never had that part that tells you, no, Paul, don't do that. It's always, trust me, the risk is not bad. It's the, the potential reward that is massive. You know, focus on that. Yes. And so I've always just kind of accepted the situation for what it is uh, on my leg. I've got a tattooed there where it says CBF and I couldn't be fussed. It's an Australian saying, man, this is what it is, mate. You just accept it and you move forward. If you've got something in front of you and you need to get around it or over it, find a ladder or something to bust through the wall. And this is essentially just that. Just a little bit more complicated. There's a lot of moving parts in it. After the accident, you tried to, you know, rehabilitate yourself. 
Tell me about your experience. I went through the normal process of going through your typical spinal rehabilitation programs. In Australia, I was in the primary spinal facility. There's only about 45 people there, which shows you how small the population is. But they were hyper-focused on the health and you understanding the injury is. These are the secondary complications. These are the things you should focus on, not the depressing side of it, the part that gets you down. Like That's going to be there and you've got to find a way to move past it. When I was technically medically deported and had to come back to the U.S., I realized that the mental state was far worse. Here, unfortunately, due to the insurance and the medical industry, you get your average of about 45 days in hospital. And this is after a life-changing event. You're now having to not only contemplate everything that you just lost, it's trying to figure out how to completely redevise a new life and move forward, but with no resources, no help, and no guidance. And it's a virtually impossible sea of molasses to try to swim through. And my normal routine was kind of played out in the sense that I had to follow along with the way my insurance in Australia wanted me to. So I went through your normal routines. You go through the inpatient, you do your stay there, and then you go into outpatient. Once you get into outpatient, they've got some fancy PT. They've got the robots that try to get you walking. And then they have you sitting in a chair doing 45 reps, moving your arm back and forward. But it's a very tunnel vision oriented module. It doesn't take each person into consideration. You just are forced to say, you're a C4, this is the blanket treatment. This is how we treat you. They treated you like a condition and not a person. Exactly. Justly so in the sense that you can't, in the way the system's organized now, you physically cannot do this for everybody. They don't have enough time. They don't have the money. I'm sure they have the money, but the money's not allocated to the right people. So the people that are there, you, I got discharged based on lack of progress. And it was purely because their determination for progress was things as, how do you transfer on your own? Well, no, I don't transfer on my own. Have you gotten better at that? Well, no, I don't transfer on my own. Okay, so that's a lack of progress. Well, what have we done to work on my transferring? We haven't. They just ask you if you have. So then based on that, I get discharged. So after this, I again had the benefit of a friend that I worked offshore with, and I convinced him to move up with me. And he's a bodybuilder, so that helps to have a different set of thinking when it comes to approaching this. So at home, I set my house up with a therapy table and all the equipment and bands and all that kind of stuff. And we went at this from more of a personal training kind of mentality, and we had good success with it. You know, nothing exponential though. My body still wasn't responding. Unfortunately, due to the injury, the neurological connection between the mind muscle is still pretty weak. So it doesn't matter how much you work something. If that connection is not there, it's not going to be formed and you got to find a way to stimulate it. My entire search throughout that time was finding ways to stimulate it. And that was the hard part, navigating that information and seeing what's good, what helps, who did what, why did they do it? What was the real reason, the root of it? And you document. I document it all. Some of my journals might be a little bit more in-depth than people would care to read, so I've got to go through and filter some of that. But at the end of the day, it's all been there since the beginning. And even at times where, in the beginning, again, I wanted to get off medication because I knew that with the Lyrica stopping, the brain synapses from forming. You were taking a lot of medication. Oh, yeah. I was on uh, 600 milligrams of Lyrica for neuropathic pain, 50 milligrams of amitriptyline for neuropathic pain, 125 milligrams of baclofen, senna, colase, uh, which are stool softeners, laxatives, and none of it was helping. If anything, it was barely putting a dent in the symptoms that were coming through. And so again, I knew I had to change something. So every once in a while, I would back off the medications and then my body would go into a fiery rip of hell. And next thing you know, you're on the ground spasming and that was a bad idea. Probably shouldn't drop that by 100 milligrams. And you experiment with it and you realize what was a good idea and what was a bad idea. Really, like I said, the changing point for me was once I started to get into the podcast. You know, it's the that unfiltered information from professionals around the world that you do not have access to unless it's through that platform. 
And by sheer luck or happenstance or whatever it was, I came across uh, New Jersey Stem Cell Center. And that was really a monumental change point for me where after doing the procedure, I saw drastic change in my body, which again, the only reason I even noticed it is because I documented so thoroughly up to that point. You know, I knew where all my baselines were down to each pinky finger movement and the sensation of my left leg versus the right foot and everything else. And in between uh, your mental state, your everything that was in your house, what were you doing? What were you watching? You know, these are all things that show the equation for why you're feeling what you feel. And so with the exosomes, I noticed the change and so I was, you did. So yep. you did something called exosomes. Yep. I had done a lot of research into stem cells and into the epidural. You know, you've got a series of different enzymes and things like that that people are trying to get into. Sometimes the risk was possibly higher than the reward. You know, you can fly to Bangkok and you can do your massive procedure over there and spend 60 grand and have an epidural. You know. Stem cells. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and, it's, and I'm not saying it's bad. At the end of the day, all of this has a place. It's just a matter of what is the most efficacious way for you to get the results that you want. Now, again, for some people, they have seen drastic change from the epidural. To me, I wanted something that was more permanent that my body was going to be able to do on its own. The epidural is always going to be there. So if in the next two years, I get to a point where, all right, I haven't seen any change. The exosomes haven't done anything. Let's go to the epidural. That's always an option. Doing it prior in the beginning, it's a little bit harder to just reverse and step away from that. You know, you don't just go, all right, take the epidural out. I want to do exosomes now. So with the exosomes, um, I'm sure, again, there's a whole lot of ways you can go into detail on it. Uh, but the exosomes are the secretions of the stem cells, which is essentially the signaling method that communicates to all the cells around us. So when I started talking to Dr. Spiel, I was a little bit hesitant because I had a lot of people around me going, hey, what is this? You know, this is voodoo. You know, it's, it's got to be snake oil. No, nope. nobody has. It was right. very new. Yeah. And me being the primal optimist that I am, seeing only the good in every situation, I was ready to throw a lawn dart in my neck right off the bat. Um, luckily, I didn't do that. I decided to start with my hair. Uh, they had said that you can actually reverse male pattern baldness. Did you have hair? I was pretty bald. You were bald. Yeah. So oh, it was you hyper thin. It was a, like, it looked like four or five strains of hair oh, up top. And, and now you have nice. Now I got a, a, a little thick head of hair, yeah. which uh, we might do another round again to see if we can boost it again. But I end up doing, which anybody listening, they're quite painful. So be prepared. Not one of the most pleasurable things I've ever done in my life. Uh, but you look at the what the reward is, right? Exactly. 100%. It was seven minutes of pain for a whole lot of years of beauty. Exactly. From then, I was confident enough to become a believer in the product, and we decided to move forward with doing the, the spinal injections. So you had, what did you have done? So I did a intrathecal, which is in between my C1 and C2 vertebrae. There's a section on the spinal column that has a five millimeter thickness on it, which if you look at the rest of the spinal cord, there's only about a millimeter to two millimeter gap in the rest of the area is making your, how precise you have to be a lot more uh, dependent. And so with me, the five millimeters gave us the room, a little bit of wiggle room. And so we did that along with three cc's of intravenous. We don't know again how efficacious the IV is in comparison to getting it directly in the spinal, spinal column. But why not do both? Why not do both? You might as well ramp it all up. Right. Um, and it was a 15, 20 minute procedure. I was completely awake for it. We didn't do anything. I was worried about spasming and kicking that needle a little deeper, but I barely felt anything. He just put a little pressure on my neck and slowly guided the needle in. Now, was this a process that took hours to do? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. We did a, a workup about two weeks prior. He does a, a blood panel. Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, 
become a speaker on our show, have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal health, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly Special. On with the show. The biggest thing you have to understand with the exosomes is that if you have any infection, they don't know exactly the what it does with cancer yet, which is one of the things they're exploring, but it will cause any cell to peripherate very quick. So if you have an infection, it can make it go rampant. So you have to make sure there's not a high T cell count and you're in a good physical state. And so they make sure they, they go through all that with fine tooth comb. And then you get into the facility, and this was March 21st for me this year, and they pretty much put a gown on you. They flop you on the table, and he goes, all right, we're going to do the uh, we're gonna do the injection. He put his hand right on the, the back of my neck. I was like, are you doing it? He's like, yeah, the needle's in. Weird. Okay. It just felt like he was squeezing my neck because he had his, you just put um, pressure on it. And it took away from the sensation, and he's using live radiography so he can actually see as the needle's slowly moving in closer to the spinal cord. I am overly confident in his ability to do this, and amongst other people. It can be done in a very safe manner. And there's only a few variables that you have to watch out for. Some people have the artery that goes up the back of the neck, and if it curves the wrong way, it's actually impeding the direction. So you'd have to go lower lumbar at that point. Problem going lower lumbar is we don't know the fluid dynamics of the spinal cord. So does it get up there? We don't know. So get as close as you can and hope for the best. And so you had the procedure done and then did it take, you know, weeks or months or? Roughly 30 hours after. 30 hours. I went from a point where with all of my medications I was on, I still had very permanent neuropathic pain, spasticity, the whole nine yards. The next morning, I kind of woke up and I was rolling around going, I don't know if this is a placebo effect, but I am not burning right now. My spasms aren't kicking started shaking my body around. like, it's kind of strange. So we took it easy that day. It's the next day, same thing. Woke up, not feeling a whole lot. Okay, this is definitely not placebo. This is, something's going on here. And it continued that way. The first thing I really noticed was that with my injury, I have a neuropathic or neurogenic bladder. So for that, it means that my bladder is constantly spasming and shrinking all the time. It's just the muscles getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And because I have a suprapubic catheter, which goes in through my stomach and into my bladder, I don't have to stretch it. So it's never being worked. And we do that for the ease of emptying it instead of having to catheter and all the other stuff that goes along with it. So when my bladder was shrinking, shrinking, getting tighter, I wasn't able to actually evacuate my bladder either. So if I ever at any point have my bag fill up and my bladder gets to a point where I've got to empty it, you get what's called autonomic dysreflexia. Essentially, your body goes into shock. Uh, your heart rate will go through the roof. You get uh, super flushy skin and then you'll end up having a stroke. And then the urine will go up into your kidneys and cause renal failure. So one of the big things is to reverse the bladder, which all of a sudden I realized with the lack of spasticity, something was going on there. It was the two days following, I'm thinking. I think it was about two days following. I'll have to look at the journal. We were doing therapy, which is the first time we did some standing prior to doing the exos. But when I was on the mat, my bladder filled up going, okay, I got to get this thing emptied real quick. You know, I see the bag filling up. And then the sensation went away. I was like, okay, whatever. Didn't think much of it. I was on the phone with Dr. Spiel. And all of a sudden, my home health aide comes down. And I was like, I need to empty the bag. She's like, Paul, you peed all over yourself. What? That's awesome. <laughs> She's like, why are you excited? I'm like, because I've never peed on myself. That is huge. She obviously didn't comprehend why. But at that point in time, that's a huge safety factor. 
You know, I would much rather pee all over myself all day of the week than have my urine go back into my kidneys and shut my body down. So I started testing it and you blocked the catheter off and I found out that I could voluntarily start to urinate. Later on down the road, we have done urodynamics, which verify these findings. Um, we have measured graphs comparing prior and after. So what about your body? So as far as the musculoskeletal, we have a pretty solid baseline. Okay. We do what's called an Asia score. For the Asia score, they take in three main factors. They take in your muscular strength, they take in your sensation, and they take in your neurological endpoints. So like for your rectal function, like if you have sensation for your bowels, they can say that you're an A to an E. E is completely normal. A is nothing. A is complete. I have always been classed as a C4 Asia C, meaning I have some sensation, but not the ability to control the bowels and everything that goes along with it. So when we started doing these tests right before the exos, I got a solid measurement knowing that this is exactly all my musculoskeletal strengths. This is my bench press. This is what my standing is like. My standing prior to doing the exos was a maximum assist, meaning my buddy would have to not only put most of the effort in to stand me, once standing, he had to consistently lock out my knees and we have a strap that goes around him. So he'd be pushing my knees back and I'm squeezing with every fiber of my body, everything I've got trying to keep my legs straight and stand. If he lets go of my hips, my butt will fall out and I face flop every time without fail. And I'd be able to do this for about 30 seconds. It was pretty much my max. This was six days after doing the exos, the first stand. He comes over, we get strapped in all of a sudden, one, two, three. And I just went for it. And I did, I would say probably at least half, if not a bit more of the work to get standing. And then as soon as we stood, he was able to come off my knees. My knees were locked out. I was like, holy shit. All right. Straighten my back out. I was able to keep my hips in. I go, Tony, look at this. We had the video in there. We were playing it, showing the reaction of the people around me. And we realized that I now had the ability to stand unassisted, essentially. And I was just using him to balance. And so from that point on, it became a game of just getting that body awareness back, you know, getting that sense of balance, focusing not on just standing, but shifting your hips. I am such an anticlimactic individual when I think people get mad at me because I don't get excited about, I know what it is. I acknowledge it and I feel good about it. I was like, cool. What's the next one? You know, my, my excitement stems from being 200 feet under the ocean in pitch black, working on a pipeline or jumping out of a plane, doing a solo free skydive or slapping a cobra in Thailand, which I've got all videos of. You know, it's all my my excitement levels have been pushed so far out of the, the bounds of normalcy that this is kind of just the normal progression. You know, I am super excited that it's happening, but not so much for myself because I really do hope that this can bring this sense of freedom and recovery to people all over the place. Um, so my excitement comes from other people's ability to hopefully do the same. But as far as me being jumping around inside, I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's cool. You know, even after I broke my neck, I wanted to get my family to go skydiving. My buddy was doing his license. So we went up to skydive the ranch in New York and we all strapped in and jumped out the plane and I was bored. I was like, this is not good. As we're falling towards the earth going, wish this guy would just kind of let me go so I could have a crack at it. I wonder, I wonder how that'd go. Probably not well, but you're just kind of, you're flabbergasted at sometimes you're just going, this is not normal. Something's wrong. So the excitement part is hard. You know, I don't, I don't get overly excited, but I'm always happy and always stoked about the progress we're making. And it's just the end goal is not going backwards. You know, you just, whether you're disabled or able-bodied individual, nobody wants to go backwards. You know, that's when you start to go, okay, I would really use some excitement and some progress. And when you're making it, you don't, you just don't sense it. You know, it's just kind of a, a normal thing. There's a, a whole lot of world out there and I wish more people would experience it. And again, I've been very fortunate in my random lucky opportunities that have popped up across the globe that have allowed me to travel and meet some of the most amazing people on the planet. I mean, I wouldn't be here in a positive way if it wasn't for the people I've come across.
And I mean that genuinely. The connections of the people you meet around the globe is what really defines quality of life in my mind, because those are the people that open up opportunities to a new world that you didn't think was out there. And so how have you progressed since? One of the big things that people have to understand as well is not just a simple process of, okay, we're getting better now and everything's all hunky-dory. You're going to have rough spots. Things have to get worse before they get better, especially when you're re-jump-starting the body's nervous system and every the immune system, everything that goes along with it. So for the next three months, it was kind of like, a, I describe it as a sine wave, which in ultrasonics, you know, you've got to up, down, up, down. You don't know why, you know, I'm not, I wasn't changing anything. Kept the same diet, same workout routines same sleep but the symptoms of my neuro pain and spasticity would come in like a freaking lion sometimes and the next day i'd be wow i feel so good right now this is so abnormal and it wasn't until about the four month mark where it just kind of leveled out i had none of the neuropathic pain none of the pain associated the hardest thing that i've been dealing with is that because of the drastic increase in signal so again prior to the exosomes i would explain that my body was getting maybe maybe 5 to 10% of the signals being sent. After doing the exosomes, I've gotten a flood of signal throughout my entire body, you know, 20, 30%. So my strength has gone through the roof. My sensation has gone through the roof. As I say, you're talking to you right now, it feels like I'm buried in hot sand from the chest down. Whereas prior, I was in a bath of ice water 24-7, which is far worse than hot sand. I'll take hot sand all day. It's just a very large input of sensation. So we tried the float tank. And the interesting thing with me is the point of the float tank is get your mind to detach from the body, make you feel weightless so you don't feel all of it. What am I doing right now? It's definitely an interesting but refreshing thing to know that those signals are coming back. And hopefully over the next handful of months as we work with Ben Greenfield and start to fine tune my entire lifestyle to give the body the best shot of healing. You know, at the end of the day, not just somebody with a disability, an able-bodied individual, we have so much negative stimulus from everywhere around us. You know, whether it be our diets, the stress of work and life, who knows about the EMF and everything else that's going on, you know, all of this stuff has an effect on our body that we seem to overlook. And it's been a pre-programmed thing for the last 40, 50 years because of the lack of information and the severe drive for increasing your profit margin and making companies do things that they probably shouldn't be doing. But all of this stuff is what's going to make the real difference for not just exosomes, but any person to get better from a chronic or acute injury. So that's my my end goal right now is optimize my life and my environment. And then after we get to another baseline, we're going to have another crack at the exosomes and see what happens and just keep documenting and journaling and traveling and talking. Perfect. And how would someone follow your story or learn more about? That is currently a work in progress and it started. I'm just having an individual help me build it out right now where I'm actually going to be going through and doing a series of, essentially it's going to be sections for podcast relates. You want to learn about something. I want to learn about the history of the Sphinx. How do you find it? Well, it's a bit of Googling you got to do to find out who's talking on there or if you want to see what you can do for inflammatory issues or diet loss, it's hard to navigate this stuff. So I want to create an area that you can go and look up all this alongside. I want to have my story and I'm going to journal it in the descriptive of a way as I can. And this is going to be my pre-story and my post. I'd like to eventually write a book and put all of these shenanigans into a, an organized manner so people can really see what the body is capable of and what taking a risk or chance that you may would work out terribly can actually end up being and said, no failure is really a failure. It's a lesson to be learned. And it's from those lessons that you propel yourself faster and faster forward. You learn your lesson and you move faster.
That's all it is. At the end of the day, we sit too stagnant and too comfortable to be adapted to the changing environment and things going on around us. You know, we're we're not meant to not struggle. That is life in a in a bundle. And it doesn't have to be a bad struggle, but you've got to test the mind and test the body. Otherwise, when something bad happens, you're not going to dig yourself out of that rut. And that's where a lot of people get stuck. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes and also like and share this to help us grow. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show to have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast. Learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million dollar business card to dominate your local area. We're here to help you. Just text your name and your question to 561 962 1231. Write that down. That's 561 962 1231. Or you can go to our website at drrosscarter.com. That's D R R O S S C A R T E R.com to learn more. Until next time, this is Dr. Ross Carter signing off. Signing off.